Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code DCPOD to save $10. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton, episode number 64, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, write often, and write well. And today is a very special day because when I think about writing fast, writing often, and writing well, I think of Jake Bible. Jake Bible, if you recall, was one of our first, actually the first live guests interviews that we did on the podcast all the way back in December of 2016. The prolific writer himself, who has written over 50 novels and counting, he writes about a novel a month, and he is the prolific writer. And we're even calling this episode the prolific writer revisited because I wanted to have Jake on the show today because uh, he has written a book, a nonfiction book, not a fiction book, a nonfiction book on how to write fast, often and well, how to be prolific. And so we talk about his new book and what that means and how to do it. So this is really on the ground, practical 
real world advice for those that want to be prolific, uh, for those that you don't have to write a book a month, but, but those who want to consistently write books, uh, produce books, content, get your stuff out into the world and you want to do it in a consistent fashion. But we also talk about how we do that with quality. And so we're not talking about just throwing things against the wall and hoping they stick, but writing good stories and writing good books and sharing that with the world. So Jake's going to help us today. And, and if uh, I'll put his new book in the show notes, uh, you're going to love it and uh, learn from the master prolific writer. And before we get to the interview, which I'm so excited to share with you, Today's show and all the Project Entertainment Network podcasts are supported and sponsored today by Subculture Corsets and Clothing. You probably heard about them if you listened to the show. And Subculture Corsets and Clothing, summer is coming and birthdays are coming and graduations are coming. What a great opportunity for you to buy some cool clothes and accessories for your loved ones. Go check out subculturecorsets.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And if you go to subculturecorsets.com and you decide you want to buy something online, if you put in the prolific writer at checkout, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. So just put in prolific writer, the prolific writer, get 10% off your first purchase, subculturecorsets.com. I know you got some loved ones, some graduations, some peeps, some... People that need new clothes, need new accessories, need new cool stuff. Go check out their their stuff. It's really awesome. They're great people. A lot of cool stuff. Go check out the website. And if you're in the Jacksonville, Florida area, just off I-95, go to the mall there and you can find their store and go in person and meet the crew and you will not be disappointed. So thank you, Subculture Corsets and Clothing, for sponsoring all the great shows on Project Entertainment Network and sponsoring this show as well. We really, really appreciate it. So... I talked to Jake Bible, the prolific writer. We'll call it the prolific writer revisited. I hope you enjoy my little chat with the man himself, Jake Bible. And here he is. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer. This is your host Ryan Pelton, and today I am privileged to have the one who started it all, the Prolific Writer Podcast, Jake Bible. Um, Jake is a Bram Stoker Award-nominated novelist, short story writer. He's an independent screenwriter, he's a podcaster, inventor of the Drabble novel, has entertained thousands with his horror, sci-fi, thriller, and adventure tales. And it's a privilege to have him on the show because today we're going to talk about actually a book he wrote and it's not a fiction book. It's actually a nonfiction book on writing. So welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, thanks Thanks for having me on. It's great to be back. Well, yeah. So Jake, uh, he he did kick this whole madness off because uh, a couple of years ago I was listening to an interview on a particular writing podcast and I heard Jake Bible talk about how he wrote a book a month. And I thought that was crazy. I thought he's a liar. And, um, so I needed to get him on the show and that was back in December of 2016. And I got him on the show and, um, he's still lying, but he's just <laughs> lying and telling tales and still going at it. And, uh, and so you wrote this book four weeks to your, um, to finished, which is about how to stop making excuses and writing that novel. And so, um, why don't we just kick it off and tell us uh, why you wrote the book? 
Um, I think I, I finally felt confident enough to write a nonfiction book. That's the one thing. Plenty, plenty of experience writing fiction, and you know, just you you can get away with anything in fiction. In nonfiction, you kind of need to have have something to say. <laughs> Your facts straight, um, a plan. Uh, you know, there needs to be a little more substance than just, you know, pew pew guns and crazy mechs and zombies and all that kind of stuff. So I finally, for me, just felt like I was ready to do it. Um, I had enough experience really just breaking it down uh, year after year, um, writing a novel in four weeks. And no matter how much I, I tried to change my formula or, you know, slack off or do that, I, I pretty much consistently would write a novel in four weeks. And so I'm like, you know, <laughs> I think I've got this down by now. So why don't I share it a little bit with everybody? Um, the other thing is, is I co-host Writer's Coffee House here in Asheville and North Carolina here at a Malprops bookstore with um, some other writers. So I've been talking with a lot of aspiring writers, um, people who want to start making a living with writers as a writer. And so I've had a lot of experience, you know, verbalizing, you know, the kind of how to be a writer, how to be prolific, how to do all that. So I just kind of combined my experience and then also, you know, what I'd learned uh, talking with people there and decided why not just put it in book form and get it out there to folks. So. Yeah. So when you um, sat down to write this book, I mean, did you have, uh, you, you mentioned you do a lot of local, you know, writers groups and things, mm -hmm. conferences and things. Um, was there a particular person in mind? I mean, when you kind of sat down and said, you know, I think this is for the person that's, you know, hasn't finished their first book, keeps talking about that book. They started in 1989 and just like, can you finish it already? Um, someone who wants to make a living or was it just kind of anyone that just wants to write? What, what was kind of the thought process in that? Um, I think my main audience was definitely people who, who need that kick in the pants to get their productivity up. Um, that's, that's definitely, I wasn't looking to get acolytes or get people to start, you know, <laughs> writing a book a month. Uh, my main, you know, cause that's, that's nearly impossible for the vast majority of writers, no matter how disciplined you are. But a lot of people tend to get down on themselves, make excuses, figure out any reason not to write and not be the most productive you know, writer they can be. And that's really who I was aiming it for. Um, just because I think in a lot of talking face-to-face -to, -face to uh, you know, new writers – the first thing they would do would be like, wow, it's amazing. You can write that fast and all that. I wish I could, but, but, and then they would list 12 excuses of why they can't. And I could pretty much <laughs> delete 10 of those 12 excuses just within 30 seconds. Um, it was personal limitations. People were putting on themselves, not actual life circumstances. Uh, so that's who I was aiming for um, to really kind of kick those, you know, people in the button and, and get them to, you know, sit down and finish the novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I, one thing I'm seeing too, is the other side of that, that conversation is those that have maybe finished like one, you know, short story, one book. And it's kind of like mm -hmm. the, the scene in Austin powers when Mike Myers is kind of um, rubbing his little cat in the, you know, he's sitting there and he's talking about how he, you know, $1 million. But I, I, just, yeah. I imagine that little cat, that's like your little book and you just kind of keep petting it and keep looking at it and talking about it and marketing, but you never write the next one. Um, right. 
And, and I think what I've seen in your, your journey and your career is you've just kind of not fallen in love with that last book and said, okay, I got to make a living at this. I got to move on to the next one. And, and that's really, it seems like that's kind of the heart of what a, being a prolific writer is, is not getting too infatuated with the last thing that you made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You really do. I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I got early on, um, and this was just at the dawn of eBooks and everything. So before the market and, and, you know, publishing really changed, but it still holds today is the best marketing for your latest book is to write the next one <laughs> and get that done and get that out there. And, um, because of the way publishing works, it's not like I, I couldn't just write the next one as the sequel to what I just finished because my publisher, you know, one of my publishers, Severed Press, they, they publish so fast, um, you know, they get it out there, but you still have to wait and see, is it, you know, is it going to hit in the market or is it going to be a total dud? Um, so I just got used to moving on to the next idea. And if the previous idea does do well, then I can go back to it after I finish <laughs> the next idea. Um, it's really making sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. uh, especially um, in this day and age of ebooks and self-publishing indie authors out there. And so many of them now are doing a great job and they're kicking butt and they're cranking things out. Um, and with that, there's a lot of people that um, follow market trends and then a certain genre might get glutted. Um, with, you know, I don't want to say bad product, but no. maybe there's some bad product turns off readers. So I tend to move around in genres also, like I said, so I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Um, and you know, hopefully I'll, I'll start the next trend. That would be great. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think that's the, the beauty of, you know, indie publishing and small press and, is, mm -hmm. you know, you have a little freedom to kind of, you know, dance around in different genres if you're comfortable with that, where, you know, in the past traditional publishing, it was, you know, Stephen King only writes horror novels and, you know, and, and he yeah. even, you know, kind of expanded that out over time, you know, and realized yes. some of my favorite Stephen King books are not as horror books. Um, and, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, you're, if you're a good writer and, and you can write, you know, widely in different characters, it's, um, you know, it's to our, to your benefit. Um, I, I love, and, and I don't, hopefully I don't misquote you, but you might've said it, you know, uh, over a year ago in our first interview, uh, was you, I've heard you talk about, and it might be on your podcast too, uh, writing in suburbia, by the way, if you haven't checked out Jake's, uh, podcast, it's great. <laughs> he needs to do more of them. I know he's doesn't have any time. He has all this extra time to do it. But, um, right. uh, as you talked about, you know, a lot of times when you're writing in different genres, really all you're doing is just putting you know, the story in just a different setting. Um, cause I think sometimes we get, you know, caught up in, you know, is it sci-fi? Is it, is it realistic? Is it, you know, today or tomorrow, but really you're just writing the same story just with different characters and different settings. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it definitely is. I mean, you know, I, I switch up stories, but my, you pick up a, you know, one of my zombie novels, or you pick up one of my, you know, far future military sci-fi novels, or you pick up my action adventure giant shark novel, something like that, you're going to find, you know, the Jake Bible style. I have a style of writing. It's just like, you know, you brought up Stephen King, even in his non-horror books, um, you know, like Mr. Mercedes, his, his you know, crime procedural you still, after a few paragraphs, a page or two, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a Stephen King book. <laughs> you know, writers have a voice. And 
I definitely know what my voice is, and I have a lot of different interests. I, I'm not just a sci-fi guy. I'm not just a zombies guy. I'm not just urban fantasy or action adventure. I like all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I tend to – there are certain tropes and things that I, you know, I tend to hit – there are certain characters that you know I like to play around with, mm-hmm. and change up a little bit, and you know maybe put different versions of in a new book because uh, after I've finished that last one and it's off to the publisher, I'm like, ooh, it would have been fun to do this with that one. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just create a new character right, <laughs> and right. do that in the next book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it really is. It's it's not like I have to reinvent everything every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it, I wouldn't say it's completely plug and play, but it's it's not rocket science. Right. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Right. And you talk about in your book, too. I mean, with story structure, I mean, the structure of a story, any story really doesn't change. I mean, it's there is kind of one yeah. or a few handful of story beats, you know, whether that's one act, two act, three act or, you know, all the different. Exactly. Yeah. And I've gotten comfortable with the three act structure. Mm-hmm. I can pretty much, you know, nail my word count each act mm-hmm. just like almost to the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've just gotten good at it. I'm not going to switch up that rhythm. Uh, sure. Just to try something new, maybe one day when I have the luxury of time and money, <laughs> mm-hmm. I will I will get to play a little bit more. But right now it's working for me. So I've, I've found my structure. I found my rhythm. I've kind of found my voice. And so I just, you know, stick with what I know how to write and uh, just, yeah, change, change things up to, you know, switch up the genres, switch up the characters and, and that kind of stuff just to make it new and interesting and fun. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to alienate my fans who are expecting a certain Jake Bible style. So there's that. Well, one of the things I, I appreciate about your, your book is you talk about that. You, you talk about, you know, being comfortable with who you are, your mm-hmm. life situation. Um, you know, not hopefully this, you don't take this as negative, but you know, uh, writing a book in a month is actually not really the goal of the book. I mean, you, you kind of make that clear, like, j- this is what I do yeah. and you can do it. It is possible, but you have to figure out what's prolific for you. Is that one book, you know, six months, every six months or every year or whatever. Um, so, so your, your thing is not, Hey, this is the formula. This is what it has to look like. This is your formula, but here are some, some tips, principles, you know, kicking the pants that we need to get your work out there to get it done, you know, to, that you can do it. Let's stop making excuses. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely every, everyone's life, everyone's style, everyone is a different writer. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, you know, for the millions of writers that are out there, there are millions of styles. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I see, especially in the day and age of social media um, is a writer makes a statement. Um, Now, I would say 99% of the time when writers make statements on social media, they're coming from their opinion. But when you're new and you're just starting out and someone you may idolize and look up to and have been reading and studying and all this makes a statement, that just psychologically and emotionally goes in you and you're like, oh no, I don't do it that way. I'm awful. (laughs) And the self-defeating cycle starts. Yep. And it's like, no, 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 no. Every real writer out there who's been doing this for a little while knows that there's, you know, everyone has their own style. There is no one way to do this. Um, you don't, you, you take advice, but you don't, it's not scripture. It's not law. Don't get yourself down on that. And that's one thing I really try and hammer home in, in the book is, 
you're going to be the most productive and prolific writer for you when you discover who you are as a writer and you, and you just make sure you are the best to your ability. And, uh, you know, like you said, whether that's six months or a year to finish a novel, that's it's it's up to the individual. You know, some people have insane, crazy lives, but they still have that drive to write. So it could take them, take them three years to get a novel done. But that's literally the fastest they could do it in their life. And great. That's awful. That's awesome. You know, that's great. But, you know, my main thing is for people not to let the external stuff get them down. And, you know, and for them not to get themselves down before, you know, self-defeating before they've even, you know, started. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, and I, I wonder sometimes just because, I mean, our whole show is built on being prolific and why I believe and you believe that it is where you need to, you know, go if you want to have yeah. any, any success is, you know, one book every three years isn't going to cut it. Uh, I mean, I've heard, I've heard even Stephen King say, you know, it should take you a season, you know, as in, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer yeah. to, to do a rough draft no longer because your story gets cold and your characters get cold and you're going to start hating it. And, you know, exactly. um, if it takes us three years, you know, you're, you want to go, okay, what, what's underneath that? Like, is it really life circumstance or is it just, this is going to be the great American novel and it's going to be perfect and the world's going to chant my name. Um, or is there something else? And so could you ramp up that productivity could you could you say you know what this is a good book it's a story i'm gonna get it done and then i'm gonna move on to the next one you know kind of what what is underneath that because one of the things that you your mantra in the book and you mentioned it many times is um quantity um and quality um and so so talk a little bit about that quantity and quality because that that's a that's important to you because you you're writing you know 53 novels i think uh maybe even more by now um, but you're, you're, you know, you're, you're getting nominated for awards. You're selling books. It's not like you're just throwing stuff on the wall and hoping it sticks. Uh, talk about that. Um, well, you know, one way, one way you're going to get quality is practice, obviously. I mean, that's with anything in the arts, anything in life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, so you just keep writing, you keep writing, you keep writing. Um, you can crank out quantity. That's, that's no problem. Anyone can just puke out 75,000 words and call it a novel. But there, there has to be some some type of quality there. So what kind of part of that is, is letting people know, you know, when I'm saying that is letting them know that, hey, your productivity in the beginning of your writing career, if you're just starting out, it's, it's going to be slower because you're trying to get the words in the right order they need to be. And you're, you know, you're learning, you're practicing. But, you know, you may not hit it out of the park in that in that first one, but you still need to finish that first one. And you still then you move on to the second one and you hopefully get better with that. You finish that second one, you move on third one you and so on and so forth. There are writers and I've read interviews and, you know, there's there's definitely (laughs) your stereotypical pretentious author with a capital a out there that's like, oh yeah, I wrote 180,000 words and I went back to revise and I, I cut 120,000 of those words and just threw them away and started over. And my thought is, um, 
that's a whole novel. <laughs> if, if you didn't like that and you're trashing all of that and you're starting over, why not just have that first part, that 180,000 words, be a novel? And if you're going to completely rewrite, just write a second freaking novel <laughs> and get that done and get that out there. And part of it, you know, you're, you're not going to know your quality. It's, it's hard to see, you know, your nose in front of your face there. Um, you know, it's you don't know quality until you've really put it out there mm-hmm. um, and yeah. sometimes failing hard <laughs> yeah. and getting the worst reviews and just getting annihilated mm-hmm. is how is part of the road of getting to quality. And so just, you know, get stuff done, get it out there, learn from it, move on, keep going. And eventually you're going to get to that rhythm. Like I said, I've, I've come to a rhythm where I'm putting out quantity, but you know, I'm, I'm putting out quality, also, and you know, the feedback I'm getting is telling me that, um, no. you know, I'm not right. Hemingway, right. This, right. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't the great American novel. You know, I'm, sure. I'm writing genre stuff. It's, it's fairly, you know, I don't want to say easy, but it's uh-huh. easier. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's still you, by putting it out there and getting that feedback back, I know what to fix for the next thing. I know what was quality, what wasn't quality, or maybe what was just completely misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I hoot and hawed and just tried to, you know, write a, a novel a year or two novels a year, I mean, I'd probably be burned out within a couple of years because I put, you know, a year into something, put it out there and then get that same feedback and just be like, Oh, <laughs> whereas, you know, I'm doing the quantity thing and I'm putting it out there after a month and if it's not the greatest thing in the world, people will let me know and I live and learn and I move on. And, you know, you learn your lessons, um, you take it to heart and you just, you know, try and incorporate, you know, what you've learned into the next book and keep moving. Well, I, I like the way you, you talk about quality, too, is, is how subjective it can be. Yes. Uh, because, you know, you get 10 people in a room, you know, read the same book and they all have different opinions of, you know, what what is good, what is not. And, you know, sometimes we don't even know. I mean, especially in our day and age with so much content. I mean, think of all the TV shows, all the movies, all the, I mean, there's every day someone's going, Hey, have you seen this one show? I'm like, what, what is that? I mean, (laughs) and yet they, they have some audience somewhere, you know, and, and then, or sometimes, you know, it's the recommendation and then you, you read it or you watch it and you're like, this is horrible. Like I, I feel bad telling my friend that this is the worst thing ever. Um, but it's so subjective because for them, it touched them yeah. it, 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 it blessed them it helped them. It, you know, did something to them where for me, it was like, man, okay. Um, and I think sometimes as writers, we get, we get hung up on that. You know, it is sometimes the eye of the beholder. Um, you know, I think one of my best things I, I've told a friend the other day, one of the best things I wrote, one of my novels is, uh, the best thing is my, my least seller, but I think most people that find it, they're like, wow, this is really good. Um, I don't know why people don't buy more of it, maybe because it's not in a series or it's, you know, whatever. Um, but so, yeah, sometimes, I mean, you probably have a book like that too, that maybe didn't do as well, but you're like, you know, this is really my favorite story. Or I really f- feel like I, I hit all the marks on it. Um, and, yeah. and I think, I think that's important to keep, to keep in your mind. And like you said, it, it, it you talk a lot about self-discipline. It's just, you know, moving on and saying, okay, it, it didn't do as well as I thought. Let's just keep moving on and, and working on the next story, the next project, whatever it may be. Um, so I, th- I think that's yeah. that, that's really helpful. And, you know, I think the other thing um, 
when you talk about quantity and quality is, is for whatever reason, I don't know why we're so down on practice, um, that we, we kind of, you know, especially in the art world, it's like, you know, we can't, we're not allowed to practice writing a novel, like, you know, <laughs> like a violinist that's, you know, discouraged to pra- practice. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Of course, every book you write is, is practice. So we need to practice more. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Do you want to say something? Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go, go ahead. I, I was pretty much just going to kind of <laughs> okay. yeah. repeat and agree. <laughs> well, well, this might and this might flow into the same kind of thought category, but you talk a lot about this is a job and uh, talk, talk yeah. about that too, because I think artists get kind of get this backwards, but yeah, talk about that, that idea that this is a job writing is a job. It, well, I mean, it, it is a job. It is work. Um, and really only writers understand that. Um, if you're not a writer, you're not going to get it. Um, I, you, you know, right. I, I've tried to explain it to a lot of people. Um, and even other artists, uh, you know, I know some fine artists. I know, I know sculptors. I know ceramicists and potters. And you know, there's, 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 you know, ceramicists, potters. That's that's manual labor. There's a lot of work there. There's hours. There's visible progress that you can see, you know, and steps and all of that. And um, you know, with with writing, it's it's all in your head. And the only physical part is, you know, the, the typing, the getting it done. But at the same time, you know, if you're sitting there staring into space, you're still working. You're still, you're still, you know, trying to figure out story, character, all that kind of stuff. But, and double but, <laughs> at the same time, you can't get lost in that, that staring off, in the daydreaming, in the creating, you still have to do that manual labor. So it is this weird trick of finding that productivity, uh, of finding that you know, point of sitting down and being productive and getting things done, but also putting in the time of thinking about it and all that. And so when you start breaking it down into all the components, it's just like being at a day job where you're like, okay, I get in, I do my emails, um, and then I have to do so-and-so report and then I have a meeting and then I have this and then I got to do more reports and I've got it and this is what my day looks like and so just like with any other job you have you know writing is just like that I sit down in the morning and I I, while I don't want to say I'm regimented you know minute by minute hour by hour I know what I need to get done that day because I've got to get a certain amount of words written but then I also have to work on the website I've also, you know, maybe got to record a podcast or I've got, you know, a meeting with, you know, an agent or I'm going to, you know, be emailing back and forth, helping out another author. Um, You know, you you treat it, you have to be structured, you have to be scheduled, you have to treat it like a job. Otherwise, you just end up treating it like a hobby. And then, as everyone knows, the vast majority of hobbies start to die away. (laughs) You know, it it, it is for me, especially if you want to make a living at it, Mm -hmm. you have to be serious and you have to understand that, you know, you are your boss. So you need to treat (laughs) treat yourself like an employee. (laughs) Crack that whip. Make sure the schedule is, you know, being adhered to. Yeah, it's, it's, and um, it, you're getting done what needs to be getting, getting done. <laughs> well, it's a it's a fascinating study because you know yourself and and myself, others, uh, you know the Stephen Kings, the John Gershams, the you know big name, you know Lee Child, whoever you you choose, go listen yeah. to their interviews. I mean, they all say the same thing. It's they put on their you know I call it the creative hard hat, and 
you know, 3000 yeah. words a day, first thing in the morning, 5000 words a day. Um, you know, uh, I like Joe R. Lansdale. I mean, he's he's very adamant about you, you can't get romantic about the art side of writing. It's because no. I think everyone, you know, pictures that, you know, if I could just quit my job and get that little cabin in the backyard and, and, you know, have my little candle burning and as the, <laughs> the muse comes and flutters and lands on my shoulder and, you know, and then I write the next great, whatever. Um, uh, but, but it's work. It's, you know, and you talked about writer's block and, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, no, no one gets plumber's block. No one gets lawyer exactly. block, teacher block. I mean, your wife's a teacher and she doesn't go, you know what? Today I'm just blocked. I'm like, I can't teach. I just, I don't have yeah. it. You know, she doesn't have a choice, right? Exactly. Yeah. And writing. Yeah. I do not believe in writer's block. Um, I just, uh, because of that reason, it's like, there's no other pro- profession where you're just blocked. Nope. Can't work. Right. Oh no. It's like, nope. If, if you want to do this for a living, if you want this to be your job and your profession, then there's no such thing as writer's block. You don't even get to make that excuse. Uh-uh. It's, right. it's not happening. But you know, at the same time, you, you do need to know what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can't push yourself to death and burn out. You've yeah. got to know what you can do. My schedule is basically kind of a nine to five Monday through Friday. I tend not to work and write on weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's family time. I'm not a night writer. I don't write at night. My, my pro- best, you know, word count productivity is first thing in the morning early. Um, after, you know, I've dropped my daughter off at school or she's been picked up or whatever, Boom, I get the most done then. And then as my energy wanes during the day, you know, my productivity wanes. So I know that. I don't start start to try and fight the words unless I'm on a deadline and I absolutely have to. <laughs> but usually I don't try and fight the words in the afternoon. That's when I'll start doing website maintenance. I'll set up my newsletter. I'll do the other parts of the job that, you know, are just, you know, you know, it's just labor um, and not creation as much. Um, so I know what, you know, what kind of employee I am. I know how I can work and how I can manage myself. And that's also key is, you know, treat it like a job, but also know how to manage yourself and manage with realistic expectations. You know, Stephen King says, write every single day. Um, and that's what works for him. And some writers that works for them. For me, I take the weekend off. I need to, my brain has to have a recharge and then I come back to it on Monday. Um, but you know, that's, that's how most people have a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. and I think there's a, a couple of things, you know, that you're saying, uh, with that is one is you need to have a life and you need to have, yes. you know, healthy relationships with your wife and kids and have a lot, you know, do things and not just you know, right. And it's funny because there's that, I don't know what the law is. There's some law that says, you know, you'll fill in the, the time that, that you have, you know, it, let's say you go full-time writing. A lot of full-time writers will say, man, I just feel like I'm not getting as much done as I did when I wasn't a full-time writer. It's because you're filling <laughs> your time with other things, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're going, yeah, I'm just kind of messing around. Cause I, I know I have more time. Um, but you know, you have that re- the regimented schedule that you're probably more productive in five days than you actually would be in seven because there's that kind of, you know, cr- that creative, you know, void of no return where you're just, you're not even getting anything back because you're so fried and you're so, you know, overwhelmed and just your brain's not working and your creativity's not working and, and all that. Um, so there, there's a lot that, that you can, um, can get done in a, in a short period of time and really good work. Like, you know, it doesn't have yeah. to be eight hours a day. It can be, you know, five or four or three, you know, of solid, you know, focused work. Um, 
I don't know if you ever read that book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. Um, he kind of kind of argues, uh, w- w- you know, if you spend three hours of undistracted work, it's actually like spending eight hours of distracted work. Um, yeah. And that kind of thing. And so just, yeah, just it, you have to have those boundaries. And you also want to be a person who has healthy, you know, rhythms in their lives, too. And, uh, you know, life's not all writing either. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And and my, my wife is a teacher. Um, you know, I've got two kids and so I know come summertime productivity's going down. (laughs) Everybody's home. The house is noisy. There's, you know, kids in and out. My wife wants to go to the lake, go, you know, hike. She's on vacation. Um, you know, she works her butt. She's a public school teacher. She works 10 times harder than the vast majority of people in the workforce out there. And so I know I'm not going to look at her, look her in the eye and go, no, hon, I'm sorry. I have to finish this space, you know, fight. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, it, it may means way more to our life and quality of life to go grab the kayaks and hit the lake for a few hours and just Mm -hmm. write that day off and just be like, you know, this, this is good for everyone and everything. This is, you know, I I can write a space fight tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, but you know, if you're not the suffering, you know, depressed artist, I don't know if you can really write and create good things, you know. So, <laughs> right, um, exactly. you know, the, the guy shooting heroin and you know all that. But, um, so in the book, you you talk a little bit. Uh, I think this is probably maybe top five things I get asked uh, on the show, uh, email, social media is where do ideas come from. Um, how to find them and then know if they're worth kind of pursuing them. You you, you have a great chapter on that, on just I, idea creation, curation. Uh, talk a little bit about that, kind of where, where to find ideas. I know one of the things you do say is don't overthink it. But, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, don't overthink it. What's what's funny is that don't overthink it part of all the of the writers um, that I shared this book with before I published it. Um, and, you know, some good quality established writers, you know, ones that I would definitely say have – are way above my level of quality writing. <laughs> they, they almost unanimously um, were like, God, that don't overthink it part. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's it, everybody is trying to find the great idea, trying to find the original idea, trying to think hard to make it theirs. The, the truth is there are no original ideas. Number one, everyone needs to understand that um, since the dawn of you know sitting around the campfire and telling stories all the original ideas got taken <laughs> because they're all they are is just an expression of our experiences and our influences in life and we're not that much different than someone sitting around the campfire with a spear and in furs and you know <laughs> eating mountains meat and all that we really aren't a ton a ton different we've got a lot of different trappings but as human beings we're, we're pretty close to the same so the original ideas have all been taken it's just how you want to tell the idea mm-hmm. um you know george lucas wanted to tell us you know samurai west, wild west tale in space that's that's pretty much you know what what happened there um, you know, there's there's tons of those kinds of things where it's just like, well, if I just take this, why don't I just move it into this environment and this genre? And, ooh, that would make this and I could do this and boo, boo, boo. And, you know, you'd be surprised how just opening up 
understanding that you are a product of your influences, just like everyone before you, um, everyone you're influenced by was influenced by somebody else. Just opening up yourself to that concept all of a sudden frees your mind to the fact that any idea is valid and just go with it. If, if, if you feel a little spark, if you've got an idea and you feel that little spark, fan that flame, get that you know spark into a bonfire, go for it. Um, don't sit there and try and you know hash it over and try and like you said be the, the brooding the you know the depressed writer of oh this this must be the most perfect idea ever right, right. no <laughs> because let's look at it romance is the number one genre of fiction in this country um, pretty much I think around the world and the romance genre is basically equal to all other fiction genres combined and there's not a lot of difference. In right. those now, you know, I'm, people will argue. I'm sure someone will say, "Well, I read this book and it's completely original." Right, right. Like, well, to you it is, <laughs> but right, yeah. the reality is, is there's a formula there, just like with mysteries and thrillers and all of those. There's a lot of formula there, but they're still selling like crazy. People still want to read them, and people still want to write them. So if you're inspired to write, you know, a detective novel. And you're, you know, you don't want to change the world and change everything up. Then write that detective novel. Just make it yours and make it the best you can make it. And you may be telling a story that's very similar or almost the same as something else, but it's the way you tell it. And it's with your characters. It's with your, you know, thought right. and style in there, which makes it a whole different book. Boom. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You know, it's just like a painting. If some, you know, Picasso paints a blue guitar, someone comes along and paints a blue guitar, they're going to be different paintings. Right. <laughs> it's not going to be a Picasso, but it may be aesthetically just as pleasing. Right. You know, no, no one has the, you know, can just hang on to the blue guitar and say, just mine. And once a blue guitar is done, that doesn't mean you can't do a blue guitar do right. too. Just do it your way. Right. Yeah. You know, there's, I think there's something, yeah, we, we kind of over exaggerate ideas or get too obsessed. I oh, think yeah. Again, another way of resistance and not writing is, you know, I gotta get, I gotta find this idea that no one's ever thought of, you know, I mean, it's inter interesting, like TV shows like law and order, it's the same formula every yeah. episode. I mean, you can almost time it. Like when this commercial happens, it actually wasn't the guy. He didn't do the murder. Cause the, you know, there's still 20 minutes left in the show. It can't be that guy. You know yeah. I mean? There's just these, like, it's very formulaic. You watch the tonight show, you watch, you know, it's it's the same every night almost. Yep. I mean, it's, it, and yet I think there's something that we expect certain things, but like you're saying, it's, it's really your voice, your angle, your characters, your setting, that's going to make it unique, but it's really just, we're just telling the same stories. Um, like you said with the cavemen, I mean, they're all, all the stories are gone. Um, and, <laughs> and we're just retelling them in different ways. But, um, but I think that takes the stress off. Uh, another reason I, li I really like this book, it takes the stress off those that are that are trying to write or like getting started where they're you know going, man, I just have to think of this. You know, I see a Harry Potter. OK, what was that? OK, how can I even do that better? You know, uh, and it's like, yeah. for forget about that. You know, just, you know, do. And I also heard Stephen King once say that the best ideas that we come up with usually are the ones that kind of stick around. Um, they, they kind of haunt us a little bit. So it's like, yeah, if that's, if you have an idea that just kind of, you can't get rid of it, it's probably a good idea that maybe you should, you know, pursue a little further. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna take on shape, different shapes and sizes, but, um, but you know, the, the best ideas just kind of sit and they just can't, they just don't, you just can't shake them, you know? 
Yeah, ex- exactly. And I mean, when you when you think of like you know, Stephen King again, you know, The Shining is is a haunted house story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you know it's a haunted hotel, but it's it's a haunted house story fueled by the dysfunction within an isolated family. Mm-hmm. Neither of those are original ideas. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. yeah. Whatsoever. I mean, you want you want dysfunctional family fueled drama. I mean, you look at every Tennessee Williams play. Boom, right. there right. you go. You know, you want haunted house. You know, Stephen King was you know influenced yeah. um, you know by Shirley Jackson. You know, yeah. there's the, once again. So he had two ideas, two things driving that that novel that were not original in any way. Yeah. But he did it his way. Yep. And yep. Bam! You get shiny. Yep. <laughs> so uh, there. I, I heard someone say, you know, uh, Hunger Games is really just Lord of the Flies, just set in a you know utopian. You know, it's just a bunch of kids trying to survive, and you know, I mean, it's the, oh yeah. The, the, there's, I mean, that that kind of plot line is actually not all not that unique at all. Um, it's 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 not that unique, and, and what's what's actually kind of funny is, you know, um, uh, what's uh, I can't remember who wrote. Hunger Games, but she she used to be in the TV business and um, worked on kids game shows. And so that's kind of where mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, let's take it to the extreme. <laughs> right, what would be the absolute <laughs> extreme yeah. of this? <laughs> right. That's funny. There you go. <laughs> now, another um, I, I, this might even flow into the, the, the ideas about ideas um, is, you know, you talk about writing what you want to write. And I, I really yeah. found that really refreshing because, again, chasing markets, chasing, you know, what's popular, what's this. But but talk a little bit about that. Why is it important to write what you want to write? Um, it's because you, you need to be inspired to make, you know, you need something that you need a reason to sit down in that chair. <laughs> um, if, if you don't, if, if you're not inspired, then it's going to be a slog. Um, it is going to be hard to finish that. I have, I can, you know, definitely looking at my shelf right now, I've got a handful of novels that I wrote to just write and get out there and hopefully hit the market at the right time. And I wasn't really inspired or cared too much um, and sales and reviews, <laughs> they reflected that, you know, the readers can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes back to kind of the quality with quantity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you write what you want to write because you're going to, there's going to be a fire, there's going to be a passion, there's going to be an energy behind it. And that's going to come out in the words on the page. Yeah. And even if it is just your most formulaic whodunit, if you're inspired to write it and you're passionate about finishing that novel, that'll come out. And that's what the reader's going to get. It may be a murder by numbers book completely, but they're going, the reader's going to feel that energy mm-hmm. and it's going to make all the difference uh, between an identical book that's murder by numbers, but doesn't have that passion behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you really got to do that. Also, it just avoids burnout. Yeah. Um, that, that is, you know, being an artist, being a writer, uh, you know, any job, I mean, everyone who's in a job right now understands burnout is a thing. (laughs) And so if you want to write something, if it's an idea that you have that you're passionate about, if it's a novel you really want to do, 
you're going to help avoid that burnout um, a lot more because uh, you're going to look forward to writing. It's, it's one reason, you know, I don't write on the weekends because my mind will be still racing about the plot and about the characters and about the novel. And I'll still be thinking about it all weekend long. And usually by Monday, I'm like ready to go. I'm like, OK, I, I, I want to get these. I, I got, got it. I know it's the next scene. I know I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to write. Um, you know, so it, it's really just about um, keeping that energy going, keeping the energy up. And if you're writing something you don't want to write, people are going to feel that. They're going to see it. They're going to read it. They're going to know it. Um, and, you know, then you've just wasted some time. You've got some practice, right. but <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of productivity there because really you, you were just writing by numbers. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I like I like what you're saying here because I think it is the the reader knows. I mean, you see a book that is maybe a I want to say a bizarre genre or just you know you, you, maybe it's a mashup of something, but it's really written with with great passion and authenticity yeah. and excitement versus the one that's like yeah I've written this you know 900 romance novels I can't stand them. Um, it it really does come through on the page. I I actually interviewed a, a woman a few uh, actually last year. And she had a pretty lucrative uh, traditional publishing deal and she was writing in a genre she just couldn't stand. It was like romance or something, but, you know, making decent money. And she got to a point after like three books, she's just like, I can't do this anymore. And she ended up starting to do some more indie stuff and small press stuff just for that reason alone. She's like, I I was, she was getting depressed. She just, it just was like, it became this job she didn't want to do. And, and I think there's some, some validity to that. I think especially those maybe are listening uh, that haven't written anything yet. And you're going, you know, what do I, what do I want to write or what am I working on? Is just to get that out there, something that you really love, something that you're really excited about. Because if you don't have that, it's just going to be a slog, you know, to the end. Um, yeah. You know, you know, don't write that sci-fi book because that seems to be popular or whatever it is. Write what you really want to do. Um, I think that's that's great, great advice. Um, so you talk about in the book, and I think this is probably an under underestimated uh, practice, is just the the preparation. Of, right. of writing is, is we think sometimes it's like, well, when the muse comes, I just kind of show up and I'm just going to go for it. Um, what, what were some of the elements that you think are important for, you know, preparing to actually do the work? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, you, you definitely, you, you want to know, um, I don't want to say you want to know clearly what your idea is because there's a lot of inspiration that can happen during the writing process, but you, You want to know what your idea is. (laughs) If you're still wishy-washy on what you're going to write, you're going to be wishy-washy on the actual writing. Um, So one thing, kind of have it nailed down, even if it's just a couple sentences, which like in the the TV script or, you know, film business, it's called a log line. Um, Just a couple sentences that describe the idea and the book and, you know, Boom, if, you know, or the elevator pitch, as it's called. Um, you should be able to, in two sentences, explain to someone what it is. Um, and if you can't do that yet, maybe keep refining until you can do that. Because once you, when you have that, that refined idea down, it's so much easier to keep going because you can just come back to it and go, you know what? No matter how what tangents I take, I'm still true to that idea. Okay, keep going. Keep moving. So that's, you know, that's a big one. <laughs> you want to know what you're writing. Um, you want to do if, you know, if there's any research involved, get that research done beforehand. Um, I was just actually writing a TV script that, uh, you know, had to, a big part of it takes place uh, in a crematorium. 
And um, I knew nothing about that. And so I spent a day reading, reading, reading all I could about about it. I'm like, okay, I've, I've got a fairly good idea of what this is. It's not like I'm going to get super technical. It's a setting, not, you know, the end all be all of the story. So it's like, all right. I had, you know, on my browser, I had a page open to a glossary of terms just to make sure I could look back at that really fast when I'm stuck going, what do you call this part of the equipment? I could just look at it. Boom. That's what you call it. Keep on writing. Um, you know, things like that. You want to make sure, you know, you're ready to go because you don't want to interrupt yourself when you're writing to look, you know, to research something and then fall down the rabbit hole of the internet. <laughs> and three hours later, you're like, wow, I've learned everything there is about the different types of meringue, lemon meringue pie in Texas. That's insane. Oh, wait, there's no pie in my book. <laughs> you totally blow that. The other thing is, you know, eat your food, you know, have a meal, you need energy, have your coffee or your water ready. So you're not constantly making that excuse to get up and be like, whoops, I forgot my, my coffee in the kitchen. And then, you know, walking through the house, you get distracted with 50 trillion things. It's, it's a matter of, you know, it is a job. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to that. So you need to be responsible and prep and, and be, be ready for that. Um, you know, you want to know what your motivation is also. That's kind of kind of a key. Are you writing because this is just something you have to do? You have to get it out there. Do you have a goal? Um, is this, you know, the first book in a series and you're, you, you plan on sending it to an agent? Um, is this, you know, you want to do it for a living? So are you, you know, are you going to now, this is your first novel, you want to hopefully turn this novel into making a living later on. So maybe start, you know, practicing what it takes now <laughs> to be a professional writer later. Or is this just something you want to get done and it doesn't make, you know, a, t a ton of difference? You know, you, you got to know why you're doing this. Um, you know, uh, like I said, yeah, is, is, is it a series? That's going to be a big one um, because you don't want to kill off four characters that probably could <laughs> need to keep going through the rest of the other books and things like that. Yeah. Then you have to go back and do it all. These are just kind of questions. You want, you want some basic things answered before you start. Otherwise, you're going to have to go back through. You're going to have to fix it. Or you could just hit a roadblock. And like I said, I don't believe in writer's block, but sometimes – you hit a roadblock. You've <laughs> taken so many wrong turns and you didn't have your map ready and you weren't prepared. And all of a sudden you're just at a dead end and you're like, mm -hmm. damn it, <laughs> yeah. I've got to go in reverse. <laughs> I've got to backtrack, figure out where I went wrong and all of that. So if you just do some basic prep to start off with, you're going to avoid a lot of you know, mistakes, wasted productivity and heartbreak during the actual process of writing. Right. Well, I, I think what, what you're getting at in the whole book is, you know, there's some inspiration here. There's some, you know, kick in the butt. But yeah. there's also just that preparation, I think, is also so – I mean, most people listening to this show are, you know, full-time – they have full-time jobs and it's not writing. And so – they, they want to maximize yeah. that time. And so, you know, like you would when you go to a job site, you got the scaffolding, you got your tools, you got, you know, you set up all these things so that you can just go and do the work. And I think what you're, what you're describing is so important because, you know, you're trying to get people to, 
say, hey, if you have limited time and you just want to focus on that writing, let, let's do all yeah. the, the prep work first so that you can just focus on the writing and the creating and, and getting, you know, getting that work done. Um, and that's, that's really helpful. Um, yeah. Now I have, I have one more, more one more question. I, I want to be sensitive to your time is uh, one of the, my favorite parts of um, the book and maybe because I, I hate this part of writing and that's the editing process. <laughs> yes. um, it, it's kind of like you, you know, you, you give birth and then you're just like, Oh, I gotta go back and you know, do this again, you know, just look at it again. But one of the things you talked about is physically printing off the manuscript and actually going through it with a red yes. hand. Talk about why that's, that's important. Well, you, your eyes actually, and this isn't just me talking. This this is literally there's scientific studies. Head to the Google and Google it. You will find lots of these things. Your your eyes, your brain sees things differently on the screen than it does on the page. Um, you're you can you'll skip over typos. Um, you'll skip over you know character issues, things like that, when you're just rereading it off of the screen because you've been writing it on the screen. And then you may have done the first and second edits on the screen. And your brain's going to be like, we're doing this again? Okay, I got it. Yeah, and part of it's going to check out. But when you print and you actually have that paper in front of you, it's on a different medium. So there, you know, it's first off, you're physically changing what your eyes are looking at. Um, it's going to be, you know, structured slightly differently, um, because it's, like I said, it's, it's formatted on this page, not formatted on the page on your screen, which is going to have extra space on each side, going to, you know, whatever other distractions, the you know, toolbar at the top, all that you print it out. You're only staring at the page. You're only staring at your written word and you're seeing it more how the reader is going to see it. Um, they see it, whether, even if it's an ebook, it's still going to be a published, it's more of a published work once you print it out. So just psychologically and physically, your, your eyes and your brain start seeing different mistakes. And there hasn't been a single time I've printed out that it's been like, oh, I didn't need to do this. Every single time, every time I'm like, wow, how did I miss? This that <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know yeah. reread something that 50 trillion is like wait I, I that character's name is this how did I write the last third of this book with a different character name and then not notice it in the first two edit passes yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah it happens all the time yep. yeah, it, yeah it's funny after I read this I had started doing this years ago printing it off and I, I didn't have all the science behind it. I just like I don't know I just feel like I get more out of it and my editing yeah. catch more. And then when you, when you wrote it, I'm just like, yeah, that makes total sense. I get it now. Um, and it feels like it's extra work, but, but I think, you know, there, there's something about, you know, holding it in your hand, reading it, you know, yeah. you're catching all those things. And then, you know, obviously you want to send it off to an editor or whoever's your proofreading oh, yeah. for you and, and they're going to see stuff and, you know, you're still going to always miss stuff. It just happens. But, um, but that's really helpful. I think, you know, people, um, will feel encouraged by the editing process that it doesn't have to be this laborious thing, but also that, you know, you're getting a very clean manuscript, uh, in the end. Um, and so, uh, so Jake, Hey, this has been a, a great privilege. And before we go, um, uh, where can we find your, uh, book, uh, four weeks to finished. And then, uh, yeah, I know you have a million books coming out, but what's, what do you got coming out right now and coming out soon where we can uh, get all your um, stuff? Well, 
best best thing is jakebible.com. Uh, everything that I do is there. Uh, so on on the home page, you're going to find a link to four weeks to finish, and it's wide. It's available at all your major ebook retailers, and then also in print through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, so you know, there's that. Um, right now that just came out fiction wise is the flip side. I finally wrote a dinosaur novel. I'm very proud of myself. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm patting myself on the back mm -hmm. because it's something I work with severed press. They're very pulp fiction and they've asked, you know, over and over like, you know, dinosaur novel, dinosaur. I'm just like, I didn't have one, but, um, I finally figured out, I cracked what worked for me. Um, so check out the flip side. It's, time bubbles in the present that flip and bring the past to now kind of thing. It's, it's all kinds of fun. Cool. Um, but yeah, jakebible.com is the best way to, you know, see everything, get in touch with me, email, Facebook, Twitter, all that goodness. Yeah. And if you're, uh, you know, listening, uh, and you like writing podcasts, writing in suburbia is a great one. Uh, that's Jake's as no, well. Thank you. And what I, I love about writing suburbia too, is it's just a very honest look at what the writing life is. And it's not all that romantic as much as we think it is. And, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of laundry and, and getting kids places and <laughs> putting yeah. butt, butt in chair and, you know, it's, it's not as sexy as everyone wants it to be. So I appreciate your vulnerability in that podcast and, <laughs> And, you know, the way you talk about I got to do dishes and all that. I love that. So um, so so thank you, Jake. You have helped uh, a ton of writers today. Once again, um, all the best to you. And we'll definitely be in touch. So thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on again. It's awesome. We'll have to do it more often. Definitely. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation. Jake Bible dropping some major writerly truth bombs thank you so much jake for coming on the show go check out jake and his work he has a book coming out every month literally no that's serious stuff and they're great stories he writes in all kinds of different genres so all his information will be in the show notes check out jake bible you'll love his work thank you jake for helping us writers be prolific and i love his humility too he he sees the writing craft as a job as putting in the time putting in the effort uh, it's not a magic sky fairy or, or, or magic muse that we're waiting for, but we just have to put our butt in the chair and, and do the work. And, uh, and I love just his hard, hack, hard hat perspective on creativity and the arts. And, uh, and so thank you, Jake, for, for sharing that. So much to, to think on, so much to, to reflect on. So, so check that out. Hey, like I said earlier in the show, check out subculturecorsets.com. Put in the prolific writer at checkout and you'll get 10% off your next purchase. So check out subculture corsets and clothing. I know you got some people you need to buy some gifts for. Go check that out. And then lastly, as, as I sign off here, as always, if you get a chance, could you leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you listen to the show? It really helps us get the show out into the world. And we also have some great shows on the Project Entertainment Network that you will enjoy. And uh, you'll hear a little blurb at the end of, of this, one of our favorite shows. And uh, go check that out. The tons of shows, tons of podcasts. We're growing every month. And uh, really so proud to be part of Project Entertainment Network. A little something for everybody. So, so check out all the shows there. Go leave a review. And I'm Ryan J. Pelton, and thank you for stopping by the Prolific Writer podcast. I look forward to talking to you real, real soon. And I just have one more thing to say. Go get those words on the page. Now. No, seriously, if you're still here, just go. Okay, you're still here? Go.
go get the words on the put put your butt in the chair get the words on the page okay they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna get there by themselves they're not they're not gonna okay just go go thank you talk to you later Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron Sweet Almahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method Podcast on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.